Good morning, everybody. All right. I want to greet those of you who are watching online today through our online campus, and also those of you in Waterbury, New Milford, in Derby, and um, here in Bethel as well. It's so great to be able to share God's word with you today. If you are new in any of our campuses today, greetings to you again. We're so glad that you are with us. We believe the Lord has led you to this place, and we are so excited because the Lord speaks to us when we gather, particularly when we gather around his word. And we lean in and we, we seek him. And so I'm praying today, this has been my prayer for each and every one of you, whether you're watching this online, you might be watching this in June or July, but it's May right now, whatever. Doesn't matter, right? These messages carry on. That's why you gotta be very careful up here. <laughs> These messages tend to live on for a long time. Whenever you're listening to this, here's my prayer for each and every one of us, is that the Lord would specifically speak to you today about how he's calling you to be faithful. That's my hope, that's my prayer. We are in this sermon series called Storytime. We are looking at different stories that Jesus told about how he rules and reigns, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And today we're coming to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, verses one through 23. And so you can open the word there on your app or in a physical copy, however you wanna do that. And uh, I'm going to read a bit of that. And in this, you have Jesus telling a story. And then later on, in verses 18 to 23, he's explaining the story. This is all, all, also so wonderful when Jesus does this. He does it a few times with his parables where the disciples say, hey, what did you mean by that? And then Jesus will tell them. And this is one of those occasions. And here's the, the kingdom principle that I want to talk to you about today. Because each of the weeks we're having a, a kingdom principle that we want to share with you. And here's what it is. Is that faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. Faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. Do any of you want a fruitful life? Do any of you want to live a life that does something for the kingdom of God, has impact in the kingdom of God? Do any of you want to live a life where you get to see God do something in you, for you, and through you? Anybody? Yes, well, I'm gonna tell you how to do it today, right now. Maybe you've been searching. How, how on earth do I live a fruitful life? I'm not talking about a successful life in terms of the world's standards. I'm talking about a kingdom-impacting life, a life lived that will bring eternal consequences for God's kingdom, a fruitful life. Faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. I was recently asked this question. Hey, Brian, when you pass away, what would you like to put on your tombstone? I felt like that was a little morbid of a question as a person in, at 43, but, you know, best to be prepared, right? I thought about it for a little while, and then this was the answer I gave. I said, you know, if I want something on my tombstone, so take note just in case. <laughs> if I want something on my tombstone, I'd love these words on it. So he did. And here's why. There are several times in scripture where those words are shared. So he did, or so she did, or so they did. You look at the story of Philip, and Philip goes up next to the chariot. But before he does that, the spirit of the Lord calls him to run up alongside that chariot. And in scripture, it doesn't say Philip debated with the Lord. Uh, Philip, you know, argued with whether the Lord had the right person no, it just says, so he did. Why? Because the Lord called him to it. When I think of Abraham, he took his son up the mountain. Why? Because God called him to, so he did. I think of Moses. 
at the burning bush. Now, Moses gave the Lord a little difficulty, didn't he? Okay, so and that's actually really good for us to know because <laughs> we give the Lord a lot of difficulty. But Moses went, so he did. Put your staff in the water, Moses, so he did. Mary was asked to carry this very special child, so he did. Each of the disciples were called. They said, Jesus said, get up, leave everything, and follow me. So they did. And we know on the other side of each of those stories, each side of, of those big radical steps of faith and trust in God, what people were doing and stepping out in faith is they were preparing the ground for God to do something fruitful in them and through them. Faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. So I want to ask you today, what is the Lord asking you to be faithful in today, right now? Not 10 years from now, not 20 years from now, not when you grow up. <laughs> no, today, what is the Lord calling you to be faithful? And our, our parable has to do with fruitfulness. A lot of times when this parable is taught, it's the parable of the sower, the concentration is all on the soil that, that Jesus talks about. And I'm going to talk about that, I'm going to teach on that, but really the spotlight of this parable is on being fruitful people for the kingdom of God. Whenever Jesus tells a parable, look for the thing that he's spotlighting. What is he putting the, the, the spotlight on? And that is the focus of the parable. And I believe the focus of this parable is on how to be fruitful people. How to be ground that's ready to receive and respond to Jesus. The kingdom principle is faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. Let me read the passage. I'm just gonna read verses three through about nine. This is Jesus telling the story, and then there are several verses after that, and then later he comes in verse 18 through 23, and Jesus, he explains the parable. But let me just give you the parable. I wanna share a little bit about the parable, and then I wanna give you some more kingdom principles that come from it. This is what the passage says. We'll start in verse three, the second half of it. Jesus says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. He scattered them across his field. Some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Maybe after hearing that, you can understand why the disciples went back to Jesus and said, can you explain this to us? Can you give us some further insight into what you're trying to teach us? Let me break this parable apart into the parts. There are about four parts to this parable. First, there's a sower. And later on in the passage, verses 18 to 23, Jesus would explain what each part meant. And so the sower represented God. God going out into his world and he is sowing seed. That's the second part of this parable. There is seed, seed that is being sown by God into his world. And Jesus says this, that the seed is the word. 
The seed is the word. So here we have to stop and say, well, what is the word? Is God just going out and throwing Bibles all through the land? (laughs) What's the word? Is it the written word? What's happening here when Jesus tells this story? If God is out and he's sowing seed and the seed is the word, what is the word? I actually think scripture answers this for us. In John's gospel, the very first chapter, he says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Oh. And the word was was God. Oh. (laughs) He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Later on, John gets even more specific. You want to know what the word is? You want to know who the word is? In verse 14, John goes on and says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. Now remember, John was one of the three disciples that got to go up on the Mount of Transfiguration and he actually got to see the glory of Jesus. This is what John's talking about right here. And so he's saying, you want to know what the word is? The word is Jesus, and we've seen him. It's God come in human form and flesh, and we saw his glory shine before us. The word is Jesus. And therefore, the seed being sown through the fields in this passage, in this parable, is the person of Jesus. It's the revelation of God himself. It's the power of God himself. It's the presence of God among his people himself. It's it's the power of God. It's the healing of God. It's the forgiveness of God. It's the grace of God. It's, It's Jesus in our midst, the presence of God. This is the word. In fact, you could go to Jesus's explanation of this passage, and you could take out the word word and put in the word Jesus. This is what that would sound like. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing Jesus. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear Jesus, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced." The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand Jesus and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. The word that that the Lord is, is sowing is Jesus. Jesus. Jesus in our life. Jesus. Jesus. There are three or four different types of soil that this parable talks about. And these types of soil that Jesus talks about in this parable represent the the ways that we respond and receive Jesus. And so there is hard ground or a path. A path is something where people walk on that ground and they trample it down so that that ground is hard. And so this represents one way that you can receive or respond to Jesus, that you have a hardened heart. The second type of soil was rocky ground. The rocky ground had soil on top, but underneath there was rock. And so those seeds fell on soil, so they sprouted quickly. But as soon as the heat of the day came, they burned out really quickly. 
I have a place like this on my lawn. I figured out what it is. There's, every summer, I would, I would see that there was this area that burned out the quickest. And in a perfect rectangle, like a perfect rectangle, I was like, what is happening here? That is amazing. Like, what's taking place here? But what I found was that that's where my septic system is. And there's concrete only inches below the surface. And so when the sun comes out, it beats down and hits that concrete and kills the grass immediately. As soon as the persecution comes, as soon as the trial comes, as soon as the question comes, this represents the person who responds to Jesus and abandons Jesus quickly. The third type of soil is one filled with thorns, where these thorns grow up among the seed that is planted and choke out the seed. We'll talk more about this, but this represents those of us who who have lives that are allowing things to grow up around us that choke out the things of the Lord in our life. The desire for materials, the love of money, really the love of anything that you place higher than Jesus becomes that thorn that that can choke out what Jesus wants to do in your life. And fourth and finally, there was good soil, fertile soil. That produced a crop, and I love it how it says 100 times, 60 times, 30 times as much as what was sown. And finally, in this parable, there's fruits. And I think this is sometimes the forgotten aspect of this parable. But Jesus talks about the fruit that's produced, the the multiplication that, that happens when his seed hits fertile soil. And this is what it's about. It's about being a person who is faithful so that we can see the things that the Lord is sowing into our lives, into others' lives, and into our church's lives, that it is fertile ground ready to receive and respond to Jesus moving in our lives. There's fruit. This is what this passage is really about. Let me pause here, and I want to share four kingdom principles that just popped out to me as I was studying this passage. Four things that just really jumped out to me about, about the kingdom of God and about being a follower of Jesus. And the first thing is this, is that God sows generously. When I was looking at this passage, it just hit me that in this passage, Jesus doesn't say there was a sower, there was a farmer who went out, found the fertile ground, and planted the seed there. Now that would really alter our belief of the gospel that would actually support a religion that would say, you have to be good and then the Lord will reward you. You have to be good and get everything right. If you just obey and if you just behave and if you just do more right things than bad things, then God will have favor on you. That's what our theology would be if if that was the case. Oh, there was a farmer who went out and he just looked for the best land and he only sowed seed there doesn't say that. No, it says that the farmer went out and sowed seed across his whole land, every aspect of it. Seed fell on the path. This wasn't by accident. Seed fell on the rocky soil. Seed fell in the places where thorns would grow up. And seed fell on the soil. Now, this is a moment for us to praise God because I know I was rocky soil if not a hard path. I know I've had thorns grow up all over. And if I served a God who went, "Mm, there's too many thorns there, I can't sow seed, I'd be in deep, 
deep trouble, and so would you. But we have a God who sows generously. Ah, oh, there's some rocks there, but we can work with that. I'm gonna throw my seeds there too. Oh, there's some thorns growing up there. I know there's some thorns that are gonna grow up there, but I'm gonna cast my seed there too. And praise God that that's what he's done in each of our lives. The second principle that I learned here is this, is that what God sows is good. What he sows is good. Notice the, the, the success of the seed was based on the soil that it hit. All the seed was really, really good. And when that seed, that good seed hit fertile soil, that's when it, it, it multiplied 100 or 60 or 30 times. The trouble and the problem wasn't the seed that God was sowing. The problem, problem and the trouble always came to the soil that it hit. And so the seed is good that Jesus sows into your life. The presence of Jesus in your life is good. The things he calls you to are good. You can trust them. Even if you don't feel like you're equipped, you can trust them. The seeds that Jesus sows into our lives, they are good. What God says about you is right. You are loved, you are cherished, you have value, you have purpose on this planet. What he says about you is good and right. His seed is good. His seed is good. Third kingdom principle that I learned from this is this, is that how we respond really matters. It really matters is that we play a role in this whole thing. <laughs> I always say this, I love this, that our God doesn't just put us in the waiting room and say, hey, just wait here until I return. Don't touch anything. Right? I, I, I love that our God says, hey, no, get out there. I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm having you be a part of my kingdom work. I love that about our Lord. And, and so how we respond and receive him really matters. He gives us choice in this. And this is what faith is, is it's stepping out. It's choosing to believe and trust the Lord. Jumping in with both feet, even if you don't understand it, even if you don't like it, even if you don't know what the results are gonna be, trusting him. This is the place, stepping out in faith, where you're gonna see fruitfulness in your life. But how we respond matters, because we can say no, and we can harden our hearts. We can say, you know what, yeah, I will, but I also, I also wanna grow this other thing in my life and make it the king of my life, and so I'm gonna serve both things. We can choose that way. Or we can say, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna go with you, Jesus, as long as life is comfortable. But when things get hard, I'm gonna abandon you. We have choice in this. How we respond matters. Our lives have to be ready to receive from Jesus. Ready ready to receive from Jesus. You know, part of this passage, it teaches us that the evil one's always trying to take the seed away. <laughs> always trying, the birds come, and I like when birds represent Satan. <laughs> so I'm not a big fan of birds. I just lost about, I don't know, like 10% of you. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, like the evil one's always trying to, to take the things that Jesus is trying to sow in our lives. So we have to be prepared and ready to respond to Jesus. It's how we respond really matters. And then finally, I've said it before, but this is, is how I want to kind of land this today, is that from faithfulness comes fruitfulness. 
This is what the parable teaches us. It's a very basic lesson. Sometimes we, we make faith too complicated. And, and the, the simplicity of it is this, is that the Lord's looking for faithful people to him, people who will be loyal to him, people who will listen and not just hear but obey what he calls you to. And when we are faithful to him, we become that fertile, good soil. Now the Lord can really do something in and through us and, and around us in ways we could never think of or imagine, way beyond that. And so the, the good soil is a person that seeks after Jesus faithfully. Good soil is a person who, who's open to Jesus doing a new thing in their life. Good soil represents a person who keeps evil out of their life, faithfully battles against that. It's a person who listens and obeys. Good soil is a person who, who puts Jesus' teaching into practice. I've said this to you before, but I'll say it again. I'm not a gardener, but I, I know something about gardening. And I know this, is that the gardener doesn't grow the plant. The gardener, what they do is they create the right environment for God to grow the plant. The gardener doesn't go, and the plant just kind of magically pops up. No, a good gardener learns the environment that a seed needs in order for that seed to grow. And so they create the environment. They take out the rocks. They till the soil. They water the plant. They make sure it has the right amount of sun. It's the correct environment. And this is what Jesus is saying to us, I believe. Listen, you play a role in all of this. You play a role in fruitfulness, in the things of the kingdom of God coming. Wow, don't you, doesn't that feel like such a responsibility? And here's your role. Your role is not to grow the kingdom. Your role is not to lord over the kingdom. Your role is not to rule the kingdom. Your role is to create the environment for the king to rule his kingdom in and through you. That's your role. That's your role, is to listen to Jesus and follow him and obey him and be led into the greatest adventures of your life. That's your role. I love how this parable is really about the heart, about really the center of your life and, and how you're living for Jesus. And there are four conditions of the heart that Jesus speaks to in this parable. You can have a hardened heart. You can have a heart that looks like that pathway that's been trampled on, that's hard ground, that the seed doesn't even get through the, the, the top layer of the soil and so the birds can just come and, and take it away. And maybe that represents you right now. Maybe you have a hard heart to the things of the Lord. And maybe that's because you've been trampled on. Maybe that's because you've been walked over. Maybe you've been walked over by a loved one. Maybe you've even been walked over by the church in some way. But your heart is hard. Ah, if that's the way Christians behave, well, then I don't want anything to do with the church. And you've hardened your heart. Or maybe you've hardened your heart because you want to rule and reign your life. And pride has sunk in. And you know what? I know better for myself than you do, Lord. And so I'm just going to take it from here. Or maybe you've hardened your heart because you, you don't like the things that Jesus teaches and you don't want to put them into practice. There's lots of ways that we can harden our heart. But when we harden our hearts, it keeps us from the things of the Lord. Here's a way to answer if you've hardened your heart or not. Just take a teaching of Jesus and apply it to your life. Just choose one. Choose a teaching of Jesus, apply it to your life, and, and, and see how it makes you feel. <laughs> so take forgiveness. 
say, Jesus, he clearly taught that we're to forgive those who, who hurt us, who offend us, even our enemies, we're called to love them. Now, now, who do I need to forgive? And, and in that application, if I begin to say, you know, I can't forgive them, well, now you're, you're, you're beginning to see a hardened heart. The Lord calls us to be generous with our finances, with our time, with the gifts that he's so graciously given to us. So now apply that to your life. What gifts has he given you? What resources has he given you? And how is he calling you to release them back to him? to re-gift them back to him. And if that causes you to say, nope, 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 <laughs> you have a hard heart. You need to ask the Lord to, to develop a new heart within you. And so he, he describes the hardened heart. But then he describes what I call the inch-deep heart. And this is seed that fell on rocky ground. There was soil there, but underneath it, it was rocky. And the inch-deep heart says this, you know what, man, Gee, I'm all for Jesus when, when life is great. I'm all for Jesus. Like, I'm all in. I can say all the right things about Jesus. But then when a doubt comes, when a question comes, or when a trouble in my life or trial in my life comes, I quickly depart from him. And this, how do you know if you have an inch deep heart? You ask this question. Have I been a loyal friend to Jesus? Have I been a loyal friend in and out of, of season, have I been loyal to Jesus? And in my loyalty to Jesus, have I experienced his comfort, his compassion, and his wisdom? We can have an inch deep heart. Third, we can have a crowded heart. A crowded heart represents the seed that fell among the thorns. And the seed and the, and the thorns grew up together and choked out, the thorns choked out the plants. And in Jesus' explanation, he says that this represents that for some of you, you allow things to grow up in and around you that choke out life in Jesus. It might be the love for money, materialism, success. It might be the love of yourself and wanting to rule and reign your own life. But there are things that you allow to grow up where you, you have, maybe you, you say King Jesus is King Jesus, but you have multiple kings in your life. Jesus is saying, well, life in Jesus is going to get choked out if you don't make Jesus the Lord of your life. And then there's fertile ground. And fertile ground is a surrendered heart. This is where we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, I surrender it all. I surrender all to you, Jesus. And this is the seed that fell on healthy ground. And strong stalk grew up. And it produced 100 times, 60 times, 30 times that which was sown. You know, friends, I believe that it's time to till the soil. It's time to till the soil of all of our hearts. Say, Lord, I want to be fertile ground. Man, I want to see the things of your kingdom built in and through me and around me. It's time to till the ground. You know, I love the book of Proverbs because the writer of Proverbs is so straightforward with us, gives such wonderful wisdom and this is one of my favorite passages in the, in the book of Proverbs. And again, I'm, I'm not, you know, a, a farmer that knows how to plant and, and grow things well, but, but I, I know a couple of the basics, and this is one of them. In Proverbs 24, it says this, those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. I love that. It's true. 
Those who are too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food in the harvest. I also learned from, from Scripture, uh, th- throughout Scripture, it talks about harvesting. And you learn, and in any good gardener, I know there's some in here today too, that they'll know that you have to plow, then you plant, and then you harvest. You plow, you till the ground, you remove the rocks, you plow, you get that soil ready, then you plant, and then you harvest. You can't do those in the wrong order. You can't harvest something that's not there. <laughs> and you don't cast seeds and then plow. You plow, you plant, and then you harvest. And I think right now is a time for us to till the ground. To say to the Lord, Lord, I'm gonna step out in faithfulness. I'm gonna, I'm gonna prepare the ground for you to do an incredible thing in and through my life. Faithfulness is the plowing that needs to take place in our spiritual lives to reap a great harvest. Without faithfulness, there's no fruit. Faithfulness is what good soil is, a person who's faithful to the Lord. So, so here's my question that I want to end with. You know, a lot of times this parable, the question becomes, what type of soil are you? I want to get past that question to a deeper question. Uh, but I, want, I do want to ask you that. What type of soil are you right now? Do you feel like you're that hardened ground? Do you feel like you're that rocky soil? Do you feel like you're that, that soil with the thorns growing up? Maybe you feel like you're a combination of all of them. <laughs> or are you good soil? Let's get past that question and say, as a church, let's commit, Jesus, we want to be fertile soil. <laughs> right? So let's, let's try to jump there together instead of just toiling over, oh, man, are there too many thorns? No, Lord, we want to be fertile soil. Okay? So let's jump there. And, and here's the question that I want to ask that I think is a deeper question. And here's what it is. And I asked it in the very beginning. How is God calling you to be faithful to him right now? Right now. I'm not saying when you got saved 20 years ago. I'm saying, how is God calling you to be faithful right now? This is, this, the answer to this question is going to till the soil. The answer to this question is going to make you fertile ground for as Jesus comes and, and sows new seed into your life where you're going to be receptive to respond to him in a positive way. How is the Lord calling you to be faithful to him right now? Maybe he's calling you to be faithful in your marriage, to love your spouse with the love of Jesus Christ. Maybe the Lord's calling you to be faithful in the circumstance that you're in to do the next right thing. That might not be solving the problem, but it's to do the next right thing. Do that next right thing today. Maybe the Lord's calling you to be faithful by spending time with him. You've been putting it off. Other things have been interfering. Spend time with him. Be faithful in meeting with Jesus. Maybe the Lord is calling you to be faithful to show love to your neighbors, those he's placed you next to in your workplace, in your neighborhoods. Be faithful in loving them. Maybe the Lord is calling you to be faithful with your testimony. You have a gift in your testimony. You once were lost, but now you're found. You once uh, were in your sin, but now you've been forgiven, set free. You have hope. Each of us has a story to tell. And maybe the Lord just wants you to be faithful in telling your story. Step out in faith and trust him. What is the Lord calling you to be faithful in right now? 
I really don't want this sermon to be one where you go home saying, oh, that was a nice sermon. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that was really good. Brian did a nice job there. Well, delivery, all these kinds of, the things you normally say every week, I'm sure, right? No, no, no. I don't really care about that stuff. I've been doing this a long time now. I don't care about that stuff anymore. Here's what I care about is that you take the word of God and you apply it to your life. This is where you're going to see real things happen. We're doing it as a family right now, stepping out in faith. And I can tell you, we've seen the fruit of the Lord in it. It's not always easy, but the Lord, he demonstrates and he produces great fruit in and through you when you're willing to, 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 to till the soil by stepping out in faith. What is he calling you to be faithful with today?